Welcome to the New Age Sage Podcast, where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. Today's guest is Stephen Hilton. He is an influencer and anti-woke advocate. You might get triggered by some things we talk about, but I think it's important to listen to with an open mind. Please like and subscribe. Thank you so much. Stephen. Hi. Welcome. So I'm going to ask you a generic question, but I want you to answer as truthfully as possible. Okay. How are you? How am I? I Today, I'm stressed out because YouTube just deleted a video of mine. Mm. Um, and it's, I don't, I'm kind of fighting them on it. And it's one of the things that's happened since I started talking about, um, I started sort of calling out things that are like a bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's the, so I got a warning two weeks ago. And then today they took down a video, but the craziest shit was I deleted the video and they still deleted it and gave me a strike, even though the video was deleted. Yeah. It's just, I think that if you're speaking the truth, you have to be, leader from youtube yeah it's crazy i think just thing everyone i know who i follow who's speaking about this agenda stuff yeah they'll get banned from youtube yeah i think if you're telling the truth you kind of have to get banned in a way yeah. so you're, do, you're doing you're doing the right thing that you're, telling, right, you're, telling, yeah. you're telling the truth yeah so why, why does it, how's that feel when you get like your, your work deleted and, and, and it's stuff? kind of it's it's really frustrating just because like i put a lot of time into my into my stuff and this one particularly took was probably like the most involved of I'm working with a researcher and we know that everything we've said is legit. What was the video about? It was um, how Hollywood... So I started a series last week about how Hollywood is involved and has historically been involved in in trafficking. And uh, yeah, it was episode two of that. So we're going a little deeper, but there was no one specifically called out and it was just talking about... This one specifically was about the history of darkness in Hollywood. So I went back to like the thirties and how there's always been crazy shit happening in Hollywood. Always been like really debauched kind of insane. Like there was guys in the thirties and forties that were like, that would kill themselves for being like being on rape charges with under, it was, it's nuts. Like even back then. So the whole video was about just the history uh, leading up to now. And I, I had some footage of Lady Gaga, Sam Smith, and I can't remember who else, a few like bits of footage, but they don't specifically tell you which part has violated. They gave you no reason. They, just, they said what? it was harassment. Hmm. But, and then I looked it up and harassment is targeted to a specific person. And there wasn't anyone. I'm guessing it was one of the people whose clips I showed. But I didn't say anything specifically about that person. I just said, like, take a look at this and take a look at this. But you've got to be so careful the way you phrase things. No, for sure. I think anyone on there who's speaking truth and allowed to be there, yeah. they're kind of some deal or some something. I think that it's yeah. really tough to be telling the truth and speaking out against what you're saying yeah. and not be banned. Yeah. So do you have, like, an escape plan you're kind of thinking of or you kind of just, just taking I mean, a step at a time? I'm building, I'm building Rumble. Rumble's building nicely. And Twitter, um, since... Elon Musk took it over has been amazing. So those are the two best platforms in terms of free speech, but no one, I feel like rumble's too hot for advertisers. Mm -hmm. So they're not really advertising there. So the monetization is nowhere near what it is on YouTube. So yeah, it is frustrating. It's funny. I heard Jordan Peterson like a few weeks ago saying, Oh, it's really weird. YouTube haven't touched me. And then the minute he said that, like he got like two videos taken down the next week. 
It was really weird. Yeah. So take yeah. me back to your little bit earlier years. What what got you from, you know, you know, but you were a composer before in, yeah. in that world. What got you from there? You said you're super, you know, part of the, the matrix in a way, very, you know, yeah. uh, liberal thinking. What got you from there to focusing on what you're doing now? What made you kind of throw that all out and be like, I want to go full time into this? That was uh, yeah, a series of uh, events, really. So, yeah, I'm a composer. I came over here to to score like big films with with basically with Hans Zimmer, but I'd done a lot of films before that. And then when I started working with him, I just, I moved. And, um, so I, I, I'm a drug addict and I relapsed, uh, 10 years ago in the middle of working on a film. I, I kind of relapsed and really fell off the, fell off the, the rails. And, uh, I kind of, I ended up in rehab. I was there for like four or five weeks and I knew I love hands and we got on amazingly. But I didn't really like the the culture of being in that studio environment. It was like a bit like a factory, and I was used to um, having much more creative freedom and much more artistic expression in my movie scores. But then working with him, it was like a factory, and yeah, I didn't really get on with anyone else I worked with. So in rehab, I realised, wait, I'm not that happy doing this. Like I was happier in London doing films than I am here. So I'm, I feel like I might quit. Um, and it was just one of those like life moments. Sometimes you hit like a crossroads and I think drug addiction forces that on you, forced it on me. So I was kind of medicating my feelings of being uncomfortable in that environment, or self-medicating that uncomfortableness away. And I was like, you can't be ungrateful for this opportunity. This is amazing. You're getting to work on these huge films. But like inside, I wasn't feeling it. So I was taking drugs to medicate. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I ended up in rehab. Um, my wife was a, a actress, um, like in sitcoms and stuff like that. And she was getting really frustrated. So, uh, when I came out of rehab, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to quit working with hands. And she was like, she was really supportive, but we didn't really have, we didn't know what we were going to do, um, financially. Cause I'd, I'd moved from, I'd moved from London. My marriage fell apart in London. So I was remarried starting again. And, uh, I was just about to give up this huge job. So we, I gave it up and we moved into a bigger house in Hollywood, which was a really weird time. So basically neither of us had any, any income and we've moved into a bigger house and we're like, what are we going to do? Like, this is crazy. And I was driving down sunset one day and I saw all these billboards for YouTubers. This was like 2015. I was like, what is that? That's weird that there's like people, and it had a subscribe account. And I was like, what, these many people subscribe to this? What is this? So I went back and said to her, I think you'd be really good at YouTube, like as you, you funny, you do characters. She was getting really frustrated with just acting. And we kind of fought about it. I was like, you got to try it. She's like, I'm not doing it. You got to try it. I'm not doing it. So eventually I bought her a camera and I was like, there's a camera. Try it. So she uploaded one video and then uh, took it down the next day because no one watched it. And then uploaded another video. No one watched it again. So then she said, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to upload a video every day for a year. To, it was Instagram because then Instagram started doing video and see what happens. So fair play to her. She uploaded a video every day for a year. Six months in, she had a video go completely crazy where she was playing like a, 
cocaine addicted model just a vacant model and she was just like she had this the inspirational quotes but this she was just coked out <laughs> and it was really really funny character but people thought she was really that they didn't realize it was character so this video went super viral and everyone's like look at this coked out like they didn't realize she was like damn like this isn't quite according to plan anyway so then she created another character which was made of a square face snapchat filter where she was chasing, she was like, I'm going to put this filter on, I'm going to chase you around just saying disgusting things. And uh, she did it, and uh, she's, like, coming after me. And that blew the fuck up. Like, it was crazy. Like, it was so insanely viral. And then we did another one, and that went insanely viral. This character just couldn't miss. Like, everything we did with her was millions, of, like, hundreds of millions of views. And... Facebook started making videos. So basically we started making money, making content. It's like, wow, this is... And what I loved about it was like, it was just fell out of the sky. I didn't make it. It wasn't like a plan. It just happened and it was really good fun. And um, so we became like, because it was, she was chasing me around, she's calling my name out. I became like well-known online. So it was just a really interesting time. Then we would make music videos and stuff and... It just went, I found myself being an accidental influencer with like a lot of followers and stuff. And it was great for a long time. And uh, something happened around 2020. So being in Hollywood and being like, first of all, with the composing and working on these big films and with the executives and stars of the films, it's all very, very liberal, very left-leaning. And you can't, you can't really, I got the sense that you can't step out of that, but I didn't really realize how insane the dogma is to stay in that liberal box until 2020. I was like, I don't, something felt weird about the aggressive shutdown in LA and how they were shutting down small businesses, but keeping the big conglomerate businesses open. And the mask, the aggressive mask, and I just, something felt just weird about it. Yeah, same. same, same yeah. yeah. And then in Florida, everyone's out partying and everyone in LA is like, these people are going to get everyone killed. And then it wasn't happening. It just felt a bit manipulative. Yeah. And uh, so I started sort of saying, I don't, I don't know if this pandemic's as serious as people say it. And it was like, immediately like you're an idiot you have to <laughs> shut up and i was like whoa this is people that i was friends with yeah. it's like whoa i wait i can't even like question this and uh that's the beauty of the system the fact yeah. that it's like these matrix agents in a way where yeah they're kind of conditioned to you say something opposing the mainstream narrative it's like this automatic like, it's like, crazy you're evil. yeah it's yeah like, this is like psychological manipulation to that's what they want it's those really, to do. yeah you know, with and anything with any issue it's just like boom yeah a certain trigger word yeah it's like, boom yeah you're an evil person yeah 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 and it's aggressive it's 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 uh, people that like were friends before suddenly and then so i'm this kind of person like if if you tell me i can't do something i i want to do it so (laughs) if they're telling me i can't talk about it i'm like i'm gonna start talking about this because like if if everyone can't talk about this i have to start talking about it and i kind of sat on it for a while because i was married and my my wife was a big um influencer and i i I was concerned that if I started talking about it, it would reflect on her because she didn't feel like that. Um, she's not political at all. Um, but if I had to, if she had to 
pick a side, it certainly wouldn't be where I am. It would yeah. be more on the liberal side. So I kind of didn't, I was like, I'm going to have to start talking about this, but it's tricky because I don't want her to get affected because that's not fair. Did it affect your relationship? No, no? she's not political at all. So, and I didn't really, it's only since, so we separated a year after that. And then since we didn't really discuss it that much. And I wasn't so, I wasn't, I would, I would consider, I, I, I saw myself as apolitical at that time as well, but just questioning the vaccines and questioning the, like you should. Lockdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like but I, human I still didn't think yeah. I'm, your, I'm either side. Yeah. I'm realizing now that I am because like people have told me what you're doing is political. But so when we, when we separated, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start. I think we did a podcast together actually. And she mentioned in the podcast that, um, I was into Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan. Uh, oh I, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, got sober with Russell Brand in, in London. When I first got sober, he was in the area. So I know him. So I was really following his content. And, uh, I think he was like what led me to Rogan. And then that led me. So I went down that, that avenue and, uh, yeah. So she talked about that and the comments were like, half the people were so shocked and like, what a terrible person. I was like, (laughs) You're seriously saying that because I listen to these people. And then other part of of people were like, thank God, this is amazing. So I was like, right, I'm definitely going to start talking about this because it's really causing a conversation. And now I'm separated. So it's not going to affect Laura. So yeah, I started to, the first video I made was about how, um, so I'd never taken Twitter seriously. It was just after Elon took it over and I didn't have any, like a hundred followers. I never was on Twitter. It was always Instagram and uh, Facebook and YouTube. So I made a post about um, how it's weird that Hollywood, people in Hollywood are so anti-gun where the, and the what the stuff they produce is basically yeah. gun porn. Yeah. Like it's, like I'd seen, the, I saw the Joker and I thought, this the people that made this are anti-gun and look at the look at the sh- the film so it's like a real hypocrisy there so i just made a video talking about it it blew up on twitter and i started getting tens of thousands of followers on twitter um and then i realized wait that's a place where it's possible to say stuff on twitter and not get censored and i didn't really know about youtube then and that sort of spurred me on to keep talking and go deeper into the fact that people were resonating with it made me more, gave me strength to keep doing it. And people have been amazing. Like on When I was on the left side, the one thing that you always told is that people on the right are terrible. People that are into guns are terrible. They're awful people, like hateful, that they're, you know, just, just hateful, horrible, bigoted people. And I have to say, since I've been posting about this, a lot of right leaning people have come my way or even like center people who mm-hmm. are now considered right yep. because of the way the left has gone. They've been so amazing. And like the, the worst hate I've ever got in my life, like breathtaking hate has come from the, where I used to be on the left. It's insane. Yeah. So it's the yeah, opposite for, for sure. But what, what, what in you is so passionate about speaking truth to the degree that you will tolerate hate that you will tolerate losing friends yeah having sticky situations yeah. losing monetization like what in yeah. you is so passionate about speaking the truth that makes you 
want to deal with all that? Well, with the the gender stuff that I'm really going talking about now is is pretty clear. And this was also um, a part of my whole waking up is I I have a son, and when I had, I think when you have kids, you start looking at the world yeah. and you you're more. I'm he he and he was he was diagnosed autistic, severely autistic, and luckily he's he's heading in the right direction now. He's so severe is where you you're not verbal and you may need never be independent and when he got that diagnosis i was really shocked hmm. and then i started to see that the uh, transitioning of kids and the puberty blockers i saw i started to see study after study that it's overwhelmingly autistic yep. kids they do yep. that too and that just lit a fire in me that i, I just like i have to start i have to speak up against this because I feel like it's those kids that are already confused and they don't fit in socially. Yeah. If you start telling them maybe you're a different gender, they're going to gravitate towards it. Yeah. What frustrates me is that the fact that like that is so important and so true and we objectively, without any bias, we should yeah. be focusing on that. Yeah. But then people will take that as you basically being evil against trans people. Yeah. That you believe in that as totally. that you're a bigot against this yeah. whole group. Yeah. But it's like, how could that be true when we're just against you know, preying on kids who are vulnerable exactly. to make permanent decisions that they shouldn't make. Totally. That to me doesn't make any sense. It does. look at your, your stuff and the amount of hate that you're getting oh, yeah. to me. Just, you're not even saying anything crazy. You're saying yeah. things that should help kids. Yeah. The fact that that's getting so much yeah. anger to me means it's significant. It's like, yeah. okay, this is, this is what's happening. Yeah. There's, there's something going on. I mean, it's, and I don't ever go after specific people. It's the agenda. I feel like the individual trans people have been hi as hijacked as the rest of us. I don't think they realize yep. that the big farmer make $2 million out of every transition kid because they're parked into medication for life. So for them, it's great that this whole thing is happening because it makes huge money for big pharma. And I feel like the, the, the whole establishment, because it's also linked the government with big pharma and then just the, the the way that everyone's in each other's pockets, it's working out great for the powerful that this gender stuff is happening. So I, f I feel like sometimes when I get hate from individual people, I, I see them as more misguided and manipulated by the agenda. Like they they see me as a hate figure because of what they've been told. Whereas I feel like, I, so I don't have any trouble with individual people, but when you see a lot of hate sort of targeted, like I've got hate groups about me on like on Reddit and stuff. And uh, I didn't, I, I never read hate comments and I don't want to get involved in anything like this, but it's so funny. Like my, people in my life would be like, you know, there's a massive hate group about you on Reddit. I'm like, why are you telling me that? I don't want to know that. I definitely don't want to look at it and don't tell me what they're saying. And then like, I'll get a call. You know what they're saying on Reddit about you? It's like, so the, you're right. The fact that there's such a pushback means you're, you're hitting something important. I feel like that too. Yeah. It's weird. I, I, I just, <clears throat> it confuses me, man. Even with this uh, reaction to the movie, The Sound of Freedom. Yeah. The fact that you have the mainstream media labeling it as a, as a right-wing QAnon piece. It's like, Why would you assassinate a movie that's trying to bring awareness to sex trafficking? Like, I, why? How do you explain that? I, there's no explanation. It's just like, what the, how are people not recognizing it? Yeah. Unless you're in favor of it, as a, a, yeah, there's no way to, there's no defense for. It doesn't make any sense to me. No. So it's, it's, it's good on you for, for speaking uh, truth to it. And to say that it's QAnon, I mean, I saw it two days ago. I, don't have, I, I didn't see it before. 
there's nothing QAnon about that. There's nothing yeah. about it politically. But. Yeah. I mean, it, it might be like to try and be not as conspiratorial as I'd like to be sometimes is that maybe just like, because they know it's right wing associated, they're trying to assassinate it to, right. to make any, to make it. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's strange, man. But I wonder what, what about it is right wing? Is made by right-wing people. Right, okay. It's like Mel Gibson and Tim yeah. Gibson, all these people. Tim yeah, Gibson yeah, yeah. has his own, I like him, but he says his own things. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a weird thing. But um, I want to talk a little about your um, relationship. How are you doing with that and how are you feeling about it? Because it's pretty, it's pretty recent for you. Yeah, yeah. It's been, I mean, we're, we're getting on really well. Um, you know, we've, we've hit a couple of bumps in the road, but generally it's been really good in terms of like, cause we co-parent and I live a mile away. Mm -hmm. So it's, we're still very much in each other's lives. And it's been, it's been, it's funny because Laura is like, like I say, apolitical and she's like a purist just about comedy. So she just, that's what she's interested in comedy and the kids. But our friends, like, will say to her, I can't believe, yeah. like, how could you let him talk like this? Literally, <laughs> I think him. someone said, like, you need to stop him talking. And it was like, it blew my mind that I was like, and she even said, this is great. Like, people's reaction to what you're saying is so crazy that they think that I need to stop you saying what you feel. So it's still it's still not affecting your guys' relationship. No, no, that's no it is great. Um, I, I, I mean, we don't. The only thing we've agreed on is we're not going to put, you know, political views on on the kids, which obviously that's their decision. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah. What, what caused the separation in the first place? Um, I think we. So as I say, we we had this like crazy like viral video making machine that just was like it became like it was only two of us and it became hard to manage it i mean looking after this thing making the making this content doing all the back end stuff became like a full time job and it was only like i say it was two of us doing it and i think we i definitely slipped more into like the business side of the relationship and we kind of the marriage became more of a business thing mm -hmm. for the last couple of years, really, which is a shame, but it's just one of those things that naturally happened. And I feel like we just weren't, we weren't connected as a couple so much. It was more like a content creating team. And it was, yeah, it's, once you've gone past that, you, it's hard to get back. In what way? Like you lose love for her? Like what exactly shifted in the dynamic? It, it was just very subtle. It was like, um, we became business partners rather than like a married couple. It was, I can't pinpoint one thing. It was just over years. We, and the funny thing is the same thing happened with my wife, my ex before Laura, same thing. We were in a, in a band together and that became a, more about the band. So it's a problem I have. It's not, it's definitely something that I need to address and look at in myself. It's not the other person like, in either of those situations. What what caused you to not want to work through that to just call it quits? We, we, tried, we tried. We tried. Yeah, we tried. Um, we tried a lot, and uh, I mean, yeah, there was a lot behind the scenes that we didn't talk about. A lot of trying to put it back together. I mean, we, we've we're such good friends now, and it feels really weird because you think that when you separate, it's going to be just bad, but the crazy thing is my connection with our kids is just way better. And I think that's due to 
before, like you get so distracted, you're in work, you're on your phone, you've got kids. But when being separated, I'm, I like now when I'm with the kids, I'm like, okay, this is kid time, no phone, no discussion about no thinking about anything else. And I'm so present with them. It's like such quality time that I never, I sort of took for granted before. So that's been a huge, um, huge plus. And I feel like because of that, Alfie has gone from being, my son's gone from being like severely, was sort of severely as they diagnosed him. He's now got, so it's weird. They don't, apparently you're not supposed to say this, but this is the diagnosis. It goes from one to three. One is like Asperger's being socially awkward, not needing that much support. Two is needing a moderate amount of support and struggling significantly three is like really needing a ton of support and maybe not be able to live independently, which is what he was diagnosed as, which was terrifying. Hmm. And, uh, he's now two. So, cause it's, you can, it can move in the first five years and you never know. So thank God he's going in the right direction. So he's getting more verbal, but I think a big part of that is me being totally present with him and not being like distracted. Yeah, that's what's tricky about this pharma this me- medical world is putting these boxes like this. Yeah. Infinite boxes. Like, yeah. This kid is a three forever. Yeah, and then exactly. you kind of like treat him like a three. Yeah. And it manifests itself. Yeah. So, so good on you for not kind of believing yeah. that fully yeah, and trying I, to push it a little bit. It's, I never instinctively didn't believe it. And the, the way they diagnose these kids is, I mean, this woman was terrible. <laughs> she like, hardly looked at him. Like she was for half an hour with him. And she's like, well, he's non-verbal. And he was literally asking for things in How there. How old was he? Two. So we got, two. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just can like, you say about two-year-olds? Yeah, it's <laughs> nuts. She's like, he's not, he's non-verbal. He's not interested in what I'm saying. It's like, it's because you're boring as fuck. That's why he's not interested in me. So yeah, she was, um, she wasn't good. And I think she just put him down as that. I don't know. But yeah, I didn't believe it in my heart. And thankfully it's turned out to be the case that he's, you know, He's, it's interesting because I love the fact that he, everything he does, he comes out from a different angle from an average kid. It's amazing. I love it. Like you take him to the playground and he'll do, he'll go on every single thing in a different way to the kids. And I was like that. I was like, funnily enough, like two years after he was diagnosed, I would call my mum before he got his diagnosis, before we even knew there was anything different about him. So there was one instance when my mum bought him a car, like a toy car. And uh, she said to me, watch that he doesn't play with it on the ground like that. He'll, I wonder if he'll like pick it up and rub it on his chest and move the wheels. I was like, that's weird. Why are you saying that? She goes, well, that's what you did. And then there were other things. So there's that. And then there's, I I didn't have eye contact. I didn't talk for a long time. I found out all this stuff. Turns out all these things are autism signs. Mm -hmm. So um, I know this amazing guy on online. He's incredible, Doctor Doctor Amen. He's big on, oh, well, on yeah. 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 So he's my psychiatrist. We did a video like two or three years ago, and we've stayed friends. And I called him up, and I was like, "Can you check me for autism? Because this is now Alfie's been diagnosed. It's, it can be genetic, and I've got all these things." So we did an intensive like diagnosis over hours of like going through the, all the checklists and turns out I'm level two myself. So yeah, it was like, wow. What was it like in a diagnosis? Amazing. Cause I was like, not only do a lot, there's a lot of stuff, um, 
make sense from my life, but I can connect with my son more because I totally get like when he has a meltdown, I know what he's going through because I can take myself back to being his age. Like autistic kids need routine. And if you break that routine, they can really lose it. And I was struggling with him a little bit. Like, why are you getting so upset? But now like my mum was telling me about like there were certain things, like if we went a different way into town, like not the way that I knew of and expected, I would lose my mind. So now I'm able to access that and go, okay, I remember how traumatic it was. And now I so I understand why he's doing that. Yeah. Is, is the way that you go about relationships and love different to the average yeah, person? Yeah. How's, how's that different? I mean, we st- struggle with even down to things like eye contact. Like mm-hmm. I had to learn eye contact. Like yeah. it was, I didn't want to do it. And I, I struggled with social social all my life so I didn't I didn't want to have friends I never wanted to play with other kids I didn't want to go to school I would like I just didn't go to school for years um so all all social relationships are a struggle for anyone on the spectrum so I totally get that um so that leads into romantic relationships as well it can be I think you tend to have less of a filter which may also be another reason that I'm I talk like I do online. <laughs> we don't, there's not that extra level of like, is this a good idea? It just comes out. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. How's that, how's that negatively affect a relationship? Like when she says like, do I look at in this dress? You're like, no, honey. Right. Like, I mean, it? it's, I mean, I'm sure some people <laughs> in the spectrum are like that. I, I took, it's so funny. Like the things you have to do, I probably would have been like that, except I literally got books out of the library, like on how to deal in social situations. Cause I found it, so difficult at school. I was like, how are people interacting? How does he know what to say <laughs> to him? And it was literally as weird as that to me that people would talk. So I was like, I've got to work out how. So I would literally. Done a good get- job, man. Like, I, if you didn't tell me, I wouldn't have. Right. Unknown. Yeah. I mean, it's, a lot has gone on behind the scenes yeah. of like, just, I made it my, because another thing you have as autistic, as an autistic person is like you get obsessed with certain things like for me it was music yeah like i didn't finish school i got terrible grades i don't know how to read or write music but and i left at 15 um because i got i started music at 13 and by 15 i had a record deal and i can't like i say read or write music and I'm the only person that I know of that scores films that can't read or write music. That's insane. It's just from autism. It's just a special interest. I zoned in on that so crazy. I, I didn't do anything for two years except music. I wouldn't do anything else. I was obsessed. So with when you're, you're just playing different sounds and like yeah. figuring it out in that, yeah. in that way? Yeah, I did it by ear. And then it was so weird because I was making music for clubs. And uh, so... I couldn't go to the club, so I was too young, but the club music was happening. I just connected with it. So I was making this music and it was getting played in clubs. And then it just so happened that the guys that were going out clubbing at that time would go on to be f- commercial directors and things like that. So they would, people were liking the music I was making. It wasn't selling, but the people that were liking it were all people involved in visual art or whatever. So it so happened that when they would get commercials and short films, they would want to use my music in the film. And people would be like, your music's really cinematic. I was like, is it? I don't even know what that means. It, I don't understand what that means, but turns out it works really well with picture. And uh, so that's how I fell into to, to doing movies. Is those One of the guys that used my music in his commercial was the son of Ridley Scott, who did Alien and... Uh, 
Blade Runner. Blade Runner, Runner. yeah. And so he he got his first film and he was like, do you just want to do the music for my film? And I'd never done it before. And I, I just it said, yeah. And we, it was a crazy film. No one saw it. It was <laughs> called uh, Plunkett and McLean. And it was set like in the 1200s, but all the music was like super modern. And it kind of was a really interesting idea, mm-hmm. but it didn't really work in the end of the day. So no, so the reviews came out for the film. No one liked the film, but everyone talked about the music or every single review was like, this music is amazing. So then I got from that, I got to do a James Bond, first Bond film I worked on because the guy that was doing the music for that film had seen all these reviews for this film that no one saw talking about the music. And he was like, do you want to come and work on this? And it was just like a snowball of that, to, you know, tons of other films like I'd, Ocean's Eleven and Transformers and Fast and Furious and all this stuff. It all just was a happy accident. But what, that's, what was being in that world like? And specifically, like what about being in that world showed you some of the dark stuff that you're focusing on now? Like, what did, did it show you some of that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would, I came across, I would meet people who, it's funny, I would meet people sort of on the, on the, I met, I would meet ex- like very high powered executives and I noticed that there was this, there was a certain thing. The first person I met from Hollywood, I was working in, in Scotland on a film um, for Fox. And this guy came over and he was like really, really high up in Fox. And I'd never, when he came over, I'd never seen anyone like him before. He had this weird, it's hard for me to explain. He was like, he had this thing that he'd seen everything that was possible to see. And he was like, had this dead eyedness. And I, it was freaked me out. Ominous. Like, ominous. Yeah. And, and the sort of almost like the temperature of the room changed when he came in. And I was like, what the fuck is this? What? He's like, what? And it was disconcerting to me and I didn't like it. And then when I started to work more in Hollywood, I saw that a lot more. And it tended to be people that were really high up, like in the, in the business, they would have this like thousand yard stare of just being like, I've, they've sinned too much. And it was really weird to me. Um, and then I, I started to hear stories about people around the edges of those people, like chauffeurs and drivers and people like that being like, there's, there's crazy shit going on. Like they would sort of say behind the scenes, like I've seen some stuff they're like unspecific, but yeah, there was just a weird coldness to, it was almost like the higher up you got, the colder and weirder it became. So, I mean, I'm going to delve into that more as I go on in this series. They don't take every episode down, uh, but definitely on Rumble. Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, there's a lot to it. And I want to go sort of chronologically, but and that's why I started with the history of Hollywood. And then it goes into my experience and it's going to go on from there. Yeah, I mean, it's, why do you think they're so dark? Is it just due to the, do you think something spiritual or it's due to the horrors they've seen, like the amount of blackmail they've done? Like, what do you think makes them that way? Hey there, I'm going to give you a break to digest all of this amazing information. And in this break, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review the podcast. Thank you. I think it's a combination. I mean, the, the Hollywood was built on an Indian burial ground. The actual town where they, the original town of Hollywood land was kind of had some weird history 
um, in terms of that. So that could be a spiritual part of it. And I feel like there's so, I mean, especially in the big, right in the early days, there was so much money and there's all these desperate people that wanted to be in films and they were easy to manipulate. So you had this powder keg of like a lot of money, a lot of power and like lots of young kids that were there were, were easily abusable. And I think that just compounded. I think this probably was a, a darkness from the early days and then it just just compounded and became more well it's the easiest way to infiltrate the average mind right yeah like, like um subtle messages in movies oh yeah like, this, it's the easiest way to get to someone because you're not being told it's not like you're watching cnn it's yeah. like you're not obviously being brainwashed it's like yeah. the, the messages or the subtle things in the movies make you believe certain things yeah so it's, it's a very effective way to yeah to mind control people for sure it really is yeah and i i would notice like um in some of the films that i would work on especially the more recent ones I would see characters being put into films in their role. Cause in the editing process, you see like certain characters get amplified. And I was seeing like diverse diversity characters being pushed so far that they would get rid of really amazing entertaining scenes to make more of something that you just know audiences are not going to be as into. And it was to push that agenda. It was very obvious we need to make more of this person because they're diverse. They've come from a diverse background or they're trans or we need to, this, this person's character needs to be pushed at all costs, even getting yeah. rid of this crazy scene that everyone loves. Like, yeah, that's what frustrates me about the left is I'm not, I'm, I'm all for most of the stuff, actually diversity, all kind of stuff. And, but what gets to me is the fact that even if they, say they're about diversity and for helping people and yeah. being compassionate yeah they're just doing it to gain power to fuck them all over so it's like it's this trojan horse yeah like, we're pro-abortion we're pro-all these things and they're using that to get votes and get power to then fuck you all over at the same yeah. time so it's, it's like, a trojan that's horse. when i was just like i'm not on either side but it's, that was when i was like when i figured out that system yeah i mean the fact that you know obama had a, had a this does everything obama had you know many chances to clarify roe v wade and, yeah. to, and to do all that stuff but he yeah. didn't for, why, why didn't he do that right it's yeah like because they need to say hey if you vote for me yeah i'll do this for you yeah and they dangle his carrot yeah like, vote for me so i can do these social issues totally and make them worse and worse and worse so he gained power yeah that's when yeah. i was like fuck these people man yeah like, like if you're pushing the shit from the heart yeah I, i'd be all for it but the yeah. fact that i can tell that you're doing it to gain power yeah. to then hurt people and then yeah. to gain power then it's like dude like, yeah like fuck off you there's know? something sick about using can people's people's compassion against them as well yeah. which is what i feel they do they're like the, script. Yeah, yeah the love and tolerance is a great quality but it's being weaponized by, by yeah, especially the, with the issue you talk about right like it's being it's not tolerant to want to get a kid to get mutilated right it's like, exactly it's like, how exactly how? Like, i'm all for you I, I never i think there's a problem we're hating that group too much in my eyes but it's also yeah. the same time it's like how is it tolerant to allow a kid to get yeah, dick chopped off. Like, That's exactly right. Like, yeah, doesn't I mean, make any sense to me. Yeah, that is tolerate. Tolera being tolerant is uh, it's apparently the 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 way that Nazis um, pushed eugenics, which is when they started to medically experiment on, which is basically what we're doing now. Yeah, um, was through compassion. It was literally they would say to the, say to the public, "Well, it's compassionate to to kill these people, really, because look the quality of life they have." It's very similar. That's what they use, compassion. and Yeah, that's like a script is that when you have an in-group, out-group, you basically brainwash the in-group to tolerate the human rights being taken away from the out-group. Yeah. That's the script. Yeah. When it's us versus them, like for example, <clears throat> during the vaccine mandates, yeah. when you had the people who wanted vaccines yeah. being like, you know what, it's totally fine to force this on people. 
and it's like then because they're the out group yeah. you hate them it's like oh they're, they're human rights or no, no issues you can take them away from yeah. them because right? it's them yeah it's yeah. like a script it's just, I see it so yeah. so easily there's a video uh, I posted it actually but it's, I, it's it was made by someone else where they um, edited together all of the really violently anti anti-vax mainstream media uh post like yeah, jimmy, yeah, kimmel jimmy kimmel said yeah that was so fucking dumb i can't believe that he did that yeah. i can't it believe was, it it was on the, you know abc people yeah. were laughing like yeah just let anti yeah. will die like, yeah what yeah excuse me yeah and there's still no um i'd be fine if there was remorse if there was like you know we fucked up yeah you know we this was inhumane in many ways but there yeah. was no remorse no. there was no apologies nothing. no and democrat governors most people like the governor of new york when they asked her in a, in a, in, a, in the when there's a governor race they asked her something like can you you know take back some of the things you said she said no like everything i said was right i'm not doubling down like wow i, I stand by everything i said about covid all the vaccine stuff and it's like they're still not That's saying crazy. this stuff yeah i feel like less people people are, are less interested in getting the every booster that comes out people less people are into it like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, this serious stuff it's, it's it's insane man so i yeah. want to go a little back to your, your journey so when did you like so you went, got super into the music when did you realize okay i have to learn how to be able to like communicate with people properly and to succeed in this world when was yeah. that moment for you that was early on that okay. was when i was a teenager like when i was at school my dad uh, was sold furniture and he got me a job working like building furniture in that, which I was terrible at, uh, in the, in the, in the store. And he was like, you should maybe come out and start. I couldn't do the job in the back. So he was like, why don't you come out and like try and like talk to customers and stuff? And I was like 15, 16. And I liked the idea of talking to people. I, I wanted to be able to do it, but I couldn't do it. So that's when I got into all the books about like how, literally how to have a conversation. It was that bad. Um, Is there ever a split in you, like a part of you that wants to kind of retreat and not yeah. talk and not look in a part that's porting on this persona to fit into society? Big time, yeah. Is that painful? They how, call how it masking. Yeah. yeah and that's, there's what, something... that's what caused my, my addiction mostly. Really? Is this like this persona I used to be, I think I was like this tough, macho, like very like right. strong man. Nothing against that, but I wasn't. I'm a, I'm a sensitive Yeah. Like I'm a very sensitive person. Sure. And I hated that part of me. Yeah. So to mask that, I put yeah. on this persona that made me take drugs to avoid it. Yeah. So how did that affect you having that kind of split? It's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. That mask is exhausting. Like if I, I, I still struggle. If I go to a social, I'm terrible in, in social, like party or something. If I go to something like that, when I come home, I'm physically exhausted from like literally because I don't want to be there. And I, it's, it's always a people pleasing thing for me. Um, and it's like pretending to want to be engaged. It sounds terrible, but like not it's not, you know, it's not my I'm, I'm nature. The same way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not too but in the same way of like I have that split. Yeah. So if you were to like fully honor it and not put on this person to please people, what would yeah. it look like? What would you look, in, what would it look like for you to go to a dinner party or engage yeah. in people? What would it look like without any filter? Funnily enough, I feel like I'm living like that now in the last year. Yeah, I mean, it's creating stuff online is perfect for someone on the spectrum because you can, you can, and people disagree with me on this a lot, but I feel like I am having a connection with people. Um, but I don't have to physically be around people, which I do still yeah. find really tricky. Um, and I like, yeah, so big group, so I'm not. I'm not people pleasing. One of the things about, so when I relapsed, 
I got with the, in AA, we have a sponsor who sort of takes you through the steps and I've been working with him and he's really hardcore, my sponsor. And he pointed out that one of my biggest things that I need to either stop doing or try and reduce, which has been a big problem. I realize now is people pleasing, doing something because someone else wants you to do it because and it's against your nature. So I've been working on that in the last year and I feel like it's interesting because my natural default state would be to never go out and just make online content. But I've realized that having just been doing that for a year, it is like now I'm, I'm realizing that's not actually how I want to live completely. I do want to get out and socialize a little bit. And, um, so funnily enough, I've met some people. So when I first sort of started speaking out about this stuff, I'd lost all my friends pretty much. And I was like, but, so I didn't really have anywhere to go. So that was another reason I was at home making videos. But I've met people now that are from the different side. So I'm starting to get new relationships and meet new people. And I want to hang out with those people. Yeah. So it's like, I'm, it's good to realize it's not, that's, I don't That's feel, the beauty of being yeah. honest with yourself, man. Yeah. Like when you, now I feel like I'm fine. I used to not be happy for my whole life, like seriously depressed, yeah. addicted. And now I can truly say I'm happy just because of that concept. Like yeah. through me, fully being me and no mask like yeah like i have no mask genuinely yeah. i ended up attracting people who could see me for me so who true. could accept me for me and love me for me yeah and that makes you want to be around them if, if you start a relationship or dynamic with like the mask on you're right you have to always put it on whenever you see that person it's like the same yeah. mask on right but when you go in naked yeah you're like ah i can just be me that's so I true i can show up in a you know not great mood or something and this person will still yeah. talk to me and love me yeah yeah it's that's really liberating it's really interesting because i feel like i was doing the mask thing until I, because like even even before people wouldn't have ever realized that i was sort of the way i felt about political issues because i've never i would have been too scared to say it because yep. of being cancelled yeah, yeah. and now it's happened it's not <laughs> nowhere near as bad as people make it out this whole cancellation thing is actually the fear of it is way worse than it actually happening so in person, so people can understand, right? Let's say yeah. for people who are scared of, you have like maybe 200 followers and they're yeah. scared of saying like, yeah. oh, I didn't get vaccinated or I voted for Trump. Like yeah. you being in the fire, like literally almost out of, worse than almost anyone. Yeah. And you're saying it's not bad. Yeah. Why are you saying it's not bad? What's it actually like being in the fire and why is it not that bad? Right. It's it's really interesting what happens. The, I don't know if this is the same with everyone, but I have a feeling that it is. Um, so what happens when it first starts happening? So especially if you say for example you've got like the 200 followers and you've never spoken up and then you eventually start talking the 200 followers you have will be um it, it they'll be shocked to begin with and then it will be polarizing you're basically going to be cutting everyone in half cutting your audience in half so my audience is significant so that was thousands and thousands tens of thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people that i was kind of alienating by sticking my flag in the sand in a certain way even talking about gun the first video that went viral on twitter was about was about guns so that immediately polarizes people so what happened was that people left like people would leave terrible comments and leave like in tens and hundreds of thousands of people would leave and it was just my everything was just crashing and i was like okay this is what it's like to be cancelled this is going to carry on and then i'm going to be done um 
But what they don't tell you about and what everyone's like, you're going to be cancelled. And people would say to me, you're going to lose all your followers. You're going to lose all your engagement. You're going to lose all your platforms. And it's good because you don't deserve it. I was like, okay, well, it's too important. I've got my kids to think about. I'm going to talk about it. And, you know, fuck the consequences. So at least I'd be authentic. It's the same thing about having authenticity. I feel like it needs to be talked about and I don't care what happens. So people were leaving and I was like, okay, this is the consequence. This is it. But what I didn't expect was like two or three weeks later, for every person that was leaving, another two would come who were incredibly supportive and would leave these amazing comments and just message and be amazing. And so there comes a point where the people that are going to unfollow, it stops and you will attract people that are in line with you. And I found it's more. It's like, it's, I've grown so much in the last month from having like a big drop to I'm definitely like way up on every, on every platform. So it's, it's been the, the threat of cancellation will never tell you about the people that will actually come and yeah, join. And you, you also must feel better internally because you're, 100%. you have, I think when we live in this current, especially people in your industry, when we know that we don't agree with this stuff, yeah. when we know we don't agree with the, the, the kid agenda stuff. We know we don't agree with the way COVID happened, but we yeah. hide it. Yeah. We live in shame. We can't talk about it. Yeah. To some degree, you're oppressing your own f- conscious freedom or your own, your yeah. own truth. And that eats, at yeah. you, eats alive at you. So I'm yeah. assuming, what's also the effect of that? Of you being like, I have no shame. I'm yeah. just speaking to exactly what I think is true. That must yeah. have an effect yeah. on you too personally. It does. It gives you a help. Because the whole thing about depression is like pushing your feelings down, isn't it? Depress, depression. Yeah. You're just pushing feelings down. I felt like I spent so many years doing that. Like, I can't say this. I can't do that. That's going to upset someone. This is going to... All these like, second guessing everything. I spent so many years doing that. Of course I had depression because I was pushing everything down. And then the feeling of just letting that go is so liberating. And you do feel a sense of uh, honouring yourself. Like I feel like I look at myself in the mirror a different way. Like I have more respect for myself as a man now for having talked about stuff course, that yeah. I felt was important. Because you're you're saying, you know, fuck you to the idea of not being liked. Yeah. You know, I think it's something masculine about that. Yeah. About speaking your truth and not yeah. caring about... People liking you or not? Totally. It's like when, when you see a man who has that, yeah, you feel like this, yeah. this power of like yeah. that dude doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. some like strength in that. Yeah, that totally. Is, you know, and the fortune. Yeah. I mean, now when we can talk about this topic now is just the current emasculation of men. Oh, that yeah. you know, men are being basically instructed to shut up. Yeah, you know, and just say the mainstream thing and then never talk about it. It's crazy. like, and I see. It just sounds insane. I hate to sound judgmental in that way, but like when a guy fully identifies as a liberal and yeah. they're just like really into that, yeah, I, man, I just like, do you have no balls? Bro? Yeah, it's like I hate saying that. It sounds it's judgmental, true, but I it's do. like I know you don't agree with this shit. Yeah, it's that fact. Yeah, like if you really agree with it, then fine. But I know you don't. Yeah, you put on a persona that yeah. you do. It's like, dude, yeah, you're scared. Yeah, you know, this whole toxic masculinity thing is is so incredibly destructive to our society. Hundred percent. Yeah, the masculine energy built. The civilization, yeah. and like to to demonize that is literally insane. What's well, also, I mean, we we have the our suicide rate's insane. Yeah, and it had, there's like studies and statistics showing that like if you shame masculinity, it's like even worse. Oh yeah. Also, I learned the hard way. Like we as men, through you know so much evolution, we have innate aggression, we have yeah. innate you know sexuality, innate yeah. things that 
if we don't own and accept and work through, yeah. we cause damage. Yeah. That if we don't learn stoicism, emotional control, and how yeah. to handle those things, yeah. we cause damage. Yeah. So you almost have to make men okay with their masculinity, teach them how to handle, teach yeah. them how to channel their aggression, channel this stuff. Totally. Only shame it. Like, yeah. men, you shouldn't be sexual, yeah. you shouldn't be aggressive, you shouldn't yeah. do all these things. We shame it. Yeah. And in that shame, we, can't, we, we like it leaks and we end up beating our wives or end yeah. up doing shit like that. Yeah. So, it's so, so interesting. I said, I made a TikTok video saying, uh, um, my son has got, he's, he's, he likes to wrestle, he likes to rough house. And I made a TikTok video saying, uh, that I've believed that a masculinity and masculine energy is rough and it is, it can be aggressive. And it, the point about teaching a boy to be a man is teaching him not to use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like to sit on it and know how sure. to, to handle that. I got permanently banned from TikTok for that video. What the fuck? Yeah. Did you get like negative comments from that video? Yeah. Oh my what god. What are they saying? Just like there's toxic masculinity. That's but toxic. It'd be toxic if you were teaching him to not control. Exactly. Him, to, like just be violent. Like, yeah. Fuck it. But yeah. the fact that he's showing him, hey, yeah. you're gonna have these feelings. Like yeah. you have to channel it somewhere. Yeah. If you can wrestle with me, yeah. or do martial arts. Yeah. That's like that. That's what saves civilization. Yeah. Like, if we had the school shooters who were shooting up schools doing that, yeah, they wouldn't be shooting up schools. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> but the 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 fact that it's just showed me how TikTok especially is so woke that. That they they found that video so offensive that they permanently banned. They, and it's just, all I was saying is masculinity doesn't shouldn't be demonized. It's yeah. mad. Yeah, no, that, that's the one topic that will get me shit. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's just like it's like why? Yeah, it's 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 so confusing. Yeah, why do you think it is? Why do you think that there's this this massive? I have my own reasons. Why do you think it's this agenda to like demonize and, and erase masculinity? I think it's. Uh, it's about control. Uh, less masculine men are way more compliant. And if you like, if you look at historically the military um, age of men, it's at the most testosterone, most masculine side where guys fight. They fight for what they believe in, and they, I feel like there's a push to to get rid of that element of uh, pushback. If you, I mean, if you if you have a population of men being unfit, medicated, eating bad food, depressed, much easier to control the society because you don't have the, the fighting element that would traditionally be revolutionary because yeah. you're taking all that. I agree. You see yeah. the stuff now that they're, make, they're trying to make working out right wing. That's, I couldn't believe that. See, our, like, on like, I forgot what website, but like big mainstream. Yeah, it was in MSNBC. Yeah. Saying like a new right wing move of lifting weights. Like, what? That was the, one of the craziest things I've seen in why, a long time. Why, why did, you can kind of see the, the agenda for sure. Yeah. The only reason for that would be to try and amass, to, to make it, to, to push that. The only way you could, the only reason you could be doing that is because you want masculinity taken out of society. That's the only way. Because to call someone right wing is like the biggest slur they have. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. So, I, so you're feeling more masculine now than you were before. Totally. Yeah. Just yeah. From, yeah. Just from honoring yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And growing some balls. And Absolutely. Some yeah. 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 Now, yeah. What's yeah, the effect yeah. on that? And like, do you feel like less depressed? Do you yeah. feel, I think that's the thing for men. I realized too that um, it's, I had this hormone specialist telling me it's a change my life that for men, we kind of have to seek discomfort for testosterone. Wow. That to increase our testosterone. Women actually used to release estrogen. They have to like relax right. and be and be surrendered. But when we actually do hard things and challenge ourselves, we get more, we actually gain masculinity. Wow. That's why every morning I'm in an ice bath, I'm working out. Just because I notice the days I'm lazy, I don't do anything, or I don't take risks. So you're taking risks. You're in a right. scary thing. Yeah. When we don't do that as men, we, we basically feminize ourselves. So we have to constantly be doing hard that. things. And you feel yeah, it, right? Like yeah. You go to the gym or say something hard. Or yeah. You feel like a little, you feel, it sucks in the moment, but afterwards yeah. you feel like, oh, I feel yeah. like. Totally. Good, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it really does. Like even down to that, 
I had a like I've had a 180 in the last year. I used to be I was vegan for 15 years. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> and I started eating meat. I'm no, going to no, say three no, weeks no, ago. Now you're probably, probably going to eat meat now too. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I, I did it. I, I, I ate, I ate meat for the first time. I got this group of guys. So it, I, I, when I separated, I kind of had a bit of a nervous breakdown and I was like, Understandably, I, yeah, yeah, I felt like totally like I, rootless. I didn't know where I felt like I didn't have any masculinity and I was struggling. And I got together with a group of guys who, um, connected to my AA meeting there's like a group of, like, as guys, we don't have, we don't really take, we don't talk to other guys about problems. Mm. And this whole group has been going for like 40 or 50 years. I had no idea about it. The men's group? Yeah. 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 And yeah, it was amazing. Stuff, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It was incredible. And um, we would get together and they'd have like that barbecue and stuff like that. And I was always like, I'm vegan and I don't <laughs> want to, and I felt like, it just didn't feel right. Something about it. As I started to talk, speak up about what I believed in, I started to hang out with these guys. I started to get more of a sense of my masculinity. At some point it was like, I don't, I don't feel like vegan. And that the, the, the day that I did it for the first time in 15 years, I had, I had steak or whatever. And every, all the guys were like, don't go too crazy. Cause like, you're going to, you might be ill cause you haven't had yeah. it. For, I couldn't stop. It was like, <laughs> this is amazing. I was just eating as much as I could. I didn't have any bad side effects and I felt high from it. I was like yeah. so much. Yeah, my diet, I'm a carnivore basically. I'm, I basically only eat meat. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really changed my life. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Cause the agenda right now is to not do that. Right. Like I have my, my family all love to them. They're very like super left base, which yeah. is, it's, it's made me grow because it makes me like, be like, how can I love you? Yeah. Understand and, and be with you with that division. And yeah. That, for me, it's been very healing in some way. Yeah. But they always like, because I only eat basically meat and fruit. That's kind of my diet. Right. And um, whenever I'm with them eating steaks, like, you're going to have cholesterol on diets. Like, they want you to believe that. Yeah. Like, there's this agenda now to like, make us think that meat's going to kill us. Yeah. We eat vegetables all the time. It's like, I've heard <laughs> this from a lot of people that have said that this whole cholesterol red meat thing is not not true right yeah i mean i don't know the, i think it's someone who knows way more than me but from what i understand it's dependent on like way more things like right. the quality of fats we eat like the oils we eat there's a lot yeah. of few oils we have in our food our metabolic health yeah like they say the cholesterol issue people who die from heart attacks are all like massively obese and they tie it to like meat um wow so it's this whole this whole thing yeah but i'm happy to hear that you're, yeah you're now yeah on the, on the right side but you yeah. felt like how do you feel how do you feel different now than when you do when you're vegan i just feel more more alert more switched on more alive more alive yeah i just feel more more um like there's more of an urgency to stuff which i really like um yes more alive yeah i'd say nice yeah and so with your addiction now do you ever have any cravings anymore you're kind of you're, you're good no now? i do, do you feel luckily. like now that you're, you're living your truth and you feel inspired like yeah. kind of just gone i yeah mm -hmm. i mean I don't remember what it's like to I have, I mean, I haven't had a drink for so long and the, the, having that relapse almost nine years ago now on, on doctor prescribed medication, I don't really, I don't definitely don't have any, I mean, as an addict, I never say never. And I always know that it, you know, it's, it's always on your shoulders. So yeah. I've got to be aware of it, but I don't have any urge and I, just for today, as we always say in AA, I don't. I, I know I'm not going to drink or use, and then that those days are going to carry on. I feel like. What's been the thing that's helped you the most in that journey? Twelve step program. Yeah, you're pretty to, strict about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's when I don't do it. It's not that I want to drink and use, but when I don't do it, I'm a less good person, and my life tends to go 
downhill, like the thinking, addict thinking of like catastrophizing, depression, anxiety. I feel like for me, 12 step solves all that. And I just have to stay connected. I mean, I, I've been in the, in 12 step groups for nearly 20 years and I still go five times a week. Wow. Yeah. So it really helps you. What yeah. about anything helped you so much? It's the, it's a combination. It's the group aspect of like hanging. I only go to men's meetings because I find mm. mixed meetings are a bit distracting. It's like, but men's meetings are more like you can just talk about what's going on. There's no, you're not trying to impress anyone. It's more honest. And, um, so there's the group, there's the, the group, uh, men aspect of having a group of guys to connect with, but also the 12 steps are incredible. Like they were, I think Time Magazine said that the, the 12 steps are the most significant thing that was written in the whole 20th century. Mm-hmm. There's some magic to it. I, I mean, it's the way that it's laid out and the program that you do. I've done the steps three times and doing them again now for the fourth time. And it's just an incredible program. And you, it's a design to change as a, it's not about drinking and using for me now. It's about being a different person, like having values, having principles. And this program gives me. What's that. the spiritual component to 12 step? There's a spiritual component. component yeah. There? Big time. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, you get to define your own higher power. So it's based on, it's, it's not religious, it's, but it's based on the crux of it is that you have to trust in something that's not yourself, which forces you to have spirituality. Yeah, that's why like, I, I'm not Christian or Catholic, but that's why I choose to believe in a God. Just because I know yeah. that if we don't, we yeah. value, our, our highest value becomes God. The, like, yeah. the thing like money, yeah. influence, fame. Yeah sex like unless we have something outside of us we keep that becomes our god exactly yeah that's a good point yeah i believe in god too and it's uh i find it i I love that having that conscious contact yeah but that's also part of the agenda too that they want us to not believe yeah outside of us just because like for one like the either it's one reason i think that the government becomes god that like they want the authority to be them that like the trust should be them that if you don't have a god their authority and their judgment should become God. Yeah. That's one thing too, but also that they, they need us in fear instead of fear to control us. Like, yeah. When we're actually in fear, our prefrontal cortex stops working. So we download information. We're yeah. watching TV and we're scared. We stop thinking. We download information. We don't question it. So if we're not, faith destroys fear. You can't have faith and fear at the same time. It's, right. It can't exist in the same frequency. Yeah. It doesn't exist. So when we're in, in faith, the fear goes away that can't control us. So yeah. That's, that's, why, that's why there's this, this agenda to not make us. That's interesting that about when you're more scared, you take in information. Yeah, yeah you're, you're pre-frontal. Whenever you think about it, when you're, when you're having a panic attack, yeah. can you think straight? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, you can't. It's just yeah. like, like, you know, there's nothing. Like when yeah. I'm anxious or, for example, if I'm having an argument with someone, the minute I counter anxiety, I just, I, can't, I separate myself. I know that I'm not me. Yeah. That it's just like this, this barrage of pain and emotional yeah. thoughts. I have to take a step back and once I am grounded and calm, yeah. then, I can, then I can be myself. Yeah. You know, it's this... I guess that's what the Soviet Union, the communist regime did. They took away religion so that the government would be the religion. So it's there. there is something very much about uh, Soviet communist, about the woke culture now. And uh, I think they idolize the communist manifesto and they idolize socialism. But what they don't realize is that my first wife grew up and uh, martial law in Poland. She grew up in communism, mm. and it's 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 the it's the worst thing you can imagine. Like from, from someone that being with someone who's lived it, it's kind of like if you 
if if she would meet someone who was like, oh, I'm into communism, socialism, she would get so angry because yeah. she was like, you haven't lived the oppression and the tyranny that living in that is. And I feel like there's de- there's a big correlation between wokeism and communism. What way? Just the like you say, even the taking away the religious aspect, so that the government become the authority. When you said that, I was like, that's that's really in line with a what's going on now, and b how they the Soviet Union was 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 built. Marx Marxism was built on that, taking away the concept of God, yeah, to to make the authorities the God, yeah. and it's uh, it leads to, I mean, literally in communism, you couldn't buy a you had to have a car that everyone else had. You had to have an apartment that everyone else. There was no room for individuality. Shampoo, one shampoo, bread, one loaf. You did have no way to express yourself. And if you, which is happening now with woke culture, yep. with art, if you say something against the state in art, you go to prison. And it's um, and that's that's what they don't. The yeah, but the don't. thing is, they can't. They can't exactly do that 100% through the American checks and balances. What yeah. they have to do is they made it a cult yeah. in the sense that I've read a lot about cult psychologies. Yeah. Um, it's like a f- pretty fascinating to me. And why I read it is I read about like huge cults and, and nixing all these things and you look at yeah. it, it's the same playbook with, with the left or both political parties. Some degree, I think the left's worse, but it's this idea that basically like if you're in an in-group, um, the threat of leaving the in-group and being at, like a character assassinated by them, the fear of that is enough to not make you want to leave and speak out. Wow. That's the whole point. So, like, yeah. if you're part of, like, let's say, um, to be fair, let's say you're part of the right. Just be fair. So I'm not, right. I, I try and be neutral. Yeah. Let's say you're part of the right and you're, I, I saw, like, for me, I'm more right-leaning, but I'm, I'm, I'm pro-choice at the same time, sure. which is, like, my thing. I, right. I'm very open to that debate, but that's yeah. where I stand. But if you're in that group and you have all your friends or hard Trump people, all that kind of stuff, if you, the idea of you saying that yeah. is so intense that you, you can't basically... You can't leave the group. The threat of them being like, what the fuck, you bigot? Yeah. Makes you be silent about it. Yeah. It's the same with the left too, right? If you don't agree with, yeah. you know, um, taking the top of the kid's dick off. Yeah. You saying that the threat of the in-group being mad at you, yeah. it makes you kind of retreat. And then the yeah. effect of that is when you can't speak, which is why I'm very, which is why I told myself, I'll never ever not speak the truth. The effect of not speaking truth externally becomes internal. Yeah. That you start basically silencing your own consciousness. That you start basically yeah. like, like brainwashing yourself. Yeah. Like, have you noticed that when you can't yeah. speak about things in your mouth? Yeah. And then you don't think them and they become, you become brainwashed. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I, d- I definitely see that. Yeah. I know it's, it's, I mean, from someone that has done that jump from the in group to the out group, uh, like again, it's not, the threat of it is way worse. Like you For hear sure. about people that leave cults and they're yeah. like, they're, they're, the threat, everything that they told them was going to happen to them. It, I mean, they're, they're usually, you know, fine. Yeah. It's, it, it, it takes in, in cults like a, a loved one who's escaped. Right. To basically make you realize it's okay. So yeah. in, I think when, when you're in a space, like to help people, if you're in a space on either side where you feel like you're entrenched, like just, Talk to someone, you know, like me or you. Yeah. Who, who you love and respect. Yeah. That you know. Yeah. To be like someone like you who's made it out the side. Like, yeah. Dude, it's not that bad. Yeah. And through having that conversation, that relationship, yeah. you're like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. So it's important that you're doing what you're doing and have this conversation just so yeah. people can see and be like, you know what? It's not so bad. Yeah. It isn't. You it know? isn't. The threat is always worse than the thing itself. For, for sure. Um, so what, what else is um, going on in you internally like you feel like you have no challenge at this point you feel like you're 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 happy you're sane there's nothing there's no roadblocks right I've now. never felt better I've never I mean uh I feel like there's a there's a 
I feel of some of the things I'm talking about in the upcoming, especially the rumble thing, I feel an urge to say I'm definitely not suicidal. <laughs> I'm definitely wouldn't kill myself. Uh, but no, I feel better than ever right now. And it's weird because on paper, everything's bad, like the, the big end divorce. And I wasn't expecting that, man, because when I was, you know, I try and do research and I'm pretty energetic. I try and like, tap into whatever you're feeling and, and stuff like that beforehand. And I was kind of expecting you to have a lot on your plate, a lot of like issues and, right. and emotional wreckage but you, you seem fucking great no i like to That's i like great. to just yeah i like to i mean i'm i'm pretty good at compartmentalizing my stuff that i feel passionate about i'm pretty good at going okay th there's a there's a a lane for that and this is like creating content or there's a you know there's a i want to talk about something passionately there's a, i put it in a space in my head and i try to I want to be an, also want to be an example that the being like really hated and cancelled is not. I mean, it doesn't affect my life because I don't let it. How 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 is that? I have my own like way of doing it, but like for you, when you have hate groups and you have yeah. people like if you look at your comments or yeah. your, you know, your wife's comments or something, you yeah, see yeah. like a lot of hating. Oh yeah. yeah. How can you have that happen in that part of your brain and that existing, and then being present with your child and loving your child? And, you know, being here right now and not yeah. worrying about that. How, yeah. how have you learned to, like, have that, as you said, compartmentalization? Yeah. For people, that's like a skill for anything in life, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, actually. I think I was, I think I've always had it. Mm. Like, I'm one of those people that if something, like, little things will get to me, like uh, small things in my day, if something goes wrong. Same here. Will, yeah, will get to me. But a big catastrophe, I'm good at. Yeah. I, it's, I never met someone like that. Right. I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it is. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, I mean, it sounds crazy, but like when my, my mom died last year and in that, I was like, I thought I was going to be like, I was going to be like, you right. know, crazy. It was a pretty crazy experience. But I mean, I was fine. Like right. I, I was able to be focused and obviously yeah. I was grieving and feeling, but I wasn't destroyed. Yes. So I saw that. I was like, huh. And then my, I split up my girlfriend like a couple months after that for right. three years. So it was like a double yeah. whammy and I was still, I was still fine. Like, yeah. I felt things, but then I realized like the same thing. Like, huh, yeah. these huge things only made me stronger and it yeah. phase me but then someone not answering a text or a meeting getting cancelled totally or like a post getting deleted like yeah. that fucking kills me it's like, yes it's frustrating I yeah. never met someone like that so it's so true yeah how, how do you wrestle with that yeah I mean how do you make sense have you made sense of it or you I haven't I'm, it's one of those things that I just know I've got and I don't question it because I want it to stay <laughs> that, yeah, that I don't same way, man. yeah and then the work's easier for us, right? Because totally. I think then we have to get better at handling the small things. Yeah, yeah. And I think that comes down to just, in my experience, the, maybe the party 12 step, which is yeah. surrendering, just being just like, yeah. I have no control over this. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And so I think most of our suffering is based on trying to control what we can't. 100%. Almost all of it. Yeah, yeah. I tend to do that when something big happens. I'll be like, I, this is, I'll leave this up to God. I, I've done my part. As long as I know I've done everything I can, I love the uh, serenity prayer that we say at the end of mm -hmm. most meetings. Grant me the serenity, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I love that. I think a lot of people just take it as, um, let me accept that I haven't got a control, uh, I haven't got control over things. And I speak to a lot of people in the program who take that to mean that and they forget the bit that says you have to have the courage to do everything you can. So as long as I often like something really bad's happening, like that strike today is really bad. But in my head, I'm going, have I done all the things? Did I make sure that I did research? Did I appeal it? Did I do everything I can? Yeah. Okay. Now I've, I've got to leave it up to God. So what are the part of like the threat of 
suicide. It, suicide, the threat of you know being followed, the threat of being tracked. Yeah. How how is it? How are you doing with that? That's what's I that mean, like dealing with that? I I've def I've had some weird shit happen. I've definitely had some weird shit happen, and uh, I mean I've upped my security significantly. And uh, l- l- the most amazing thing about having people that are perhaps more on the right is I had so many people that are in security, like reach out with like free, we'll come over for free. We'll do this for free because we love what you're doing. So I'm, I'm meeting a lot of those guys. Um, the weirdest thing though was, um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was coming out of my house like one or two in the morning, a friend of mine and, uh, this SUV pulled up outside my, so my driveway goes so you've got my door my driveway and my neighbors across the road driveway this here so this car pulled up three there's never any traffic on my street it's a really really very very um quiet street there's never traffic it pulled up and it reversed into my neighbor's driveway so the lights were on us and it just stayed there and the lights were bright and it was so weird and eerie. And I was like, I've got to, there's got to be an explanation for this. There's got to be an explanation. Um, but there wasn't one. And, uh, then it drove off and I talked about it on online. And the amount of these security people that reached out was like, yeah, you, you're being followed. That's definitely happening. And that was like, in my mind, I was like, maybe there's probably an explanation for that. There's not. And these people who have a lot of experience were like, no, that's what's happening. And you need to, do X, Y, Z. So I'm doing all the, all the things. So you got like a suicide note from YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. They sent me a, a thing saying it looks like you're trying to self harm. Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. Was, do you ever give any signal that could be the case? I did just a video. Just to see like maybe <laughs> there's any way. What the, the video was on. What was the video? What was the video? It was, it was, oh, Damn, I can't remember what the video was. It was a really contentious video about sex trafficking in Hollywood. And it was um, a collection of clips. That's right. It was a collection of clips, but it, some of it was pretty, like, talking, naming people. So I thought I'd put a disclaimer in. And I said, I wouldn't, I said as part of it, I talked a bit in the middle. And I said in there, I'm just saying that I would never kill myself and I feel great because I often say that (laughs) but it was weird that they I mean I guess you could say that's why they did it but they didn't do it on any other video and I say quite a lot the way I understand the playbook is that you have there are a couple moves before you get there they're going to try first it's like the character assassination yeah been through that like like more like media stuff yeah full on like hit pieces on like no time stuff that's step one then it's like then it's like can you tell you in jail? Yeah. Can, can you get accused of rape by some random person? Yeah. And then it's like, then it's suicide. Yeah. So. That's, I <laughs> yeah, mean, that's I heard Andrew Tate talk about yeah. that. It's fucking crazy. That's crazy. It's funny with Andrew Tate. My, my really good friend grew up in exactly the same area that he grew up in. And the fact that he has made such a life for himself from, that's a rough, rough part of England. Like I come from a rough part of England, but that's, and the fact that, and I don't see anything bad about anything he said I, i've seen that the clips that they've made him look bad but when you see the long form content of what the way they're clearly trying to take him down is so crazy to me that's that's a perfect example of it 
Yeah. Because yeah. also speaking to a group that you said, like the men yeah. of society. I think, you know, I, I can't agree with everything he says, but the things that I do think is heroic are the part that he, the fact that he's waking up yeah. young yeah. men against the, the systems that be and yeah. aware, making them aware of all the nefarious agendas of the world. The yeah. fact that he's millions of them around yeah. the world, the fact that he's waking them up, that's the biggest threat the, systems have seen, the system has seen in a long time. Yeah. That's a big one. That's, that's why like, they're trying to shine. That's yeah. why there's have so much respect for you and what you're doing is that, like, it's the raising awareness you know taking your influence and using that and sacrificing yourself to raise awareness yeah is the, is the way yeah it's the way oh thanks man i appreciate that it's always good to hear that also, it's like the trade you're taking for that right like the getting followed yeah the character assassination yeah. all that stuff like yeah. the fact that you're taking that on willfully yeah because you feel so passionate about speaking the yeah. truth yeah is, is, is brave man yeah it's too important not to talk about so. so what's what's next for you? Just making the yeah, I'm just going to keep going. I mean, I've, I'm I'm starting to see very clearly that Twitter and Rumble is the destination that I need to be heading towards. So I'm doing everything I can to kind of um, build those, and they're pretty new for me right now. But it's it's interesting. It's I feel like I'm on the right path, and you know, if you're doing something right, you just feel it in your heart, yeah. and that's what I feel. So. That's the beautiful thing, man. Yeah. That's why I feel being being in here. And once you're kind of living from that place, yeah. everything everything opens up. Yeah. I feel like the minute you access that, the universe of God, something blesses you. They start it's like true. they start giving you the people that you should be around. Like it's true. things open up. Yeah. I think for men it's so important to find that, especially like it to, is. To, to find purpose. Because we tend to isolate. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the suicide thing, I think. It's, it's also the part you speak about is the inability to be vulnerable. Yeah. 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 And that's like one thing I, I, I don't agree with on some of the manosphere part is this like um hate or belief that men shouldn't be emotional vulnerable right because i think it's almost the most brave thing to be vulnerable not be a bitch about it but like to right. to speak about what's going on because it often it takes bravery yeah right? for you oh, to yeah. sit here and speak yeah. about i was an addict yeah i experienced xyz that totally. requires that's bravery yeah yeah so i think men have to have to get better yeah at that, i know? agree not saying like a bitchy way of like, well poor me but be owning it being yeah like, owning it this is what's happening taking you know? responsibility Just losing the shame about it yeah you know yeah yeah, there's a difference between taking responsibility. You never want to, as a man, you never want to be the victim. Yep, or, yeah, exactly. But there's a there's a line there. I think it's. I think the good thing for that is having other guys yep. to run things past for sure, and they can be like, you know, you, you need to look at it. I've certainly found like a, a couple of crises I've had. I never used to talk to men, and when I take it to my group of guys that I go that I hang out with, it's so much more valuable the the advice you get, even from women in my life if i've if i'm going through something i find that the feminine of, of perspective and advice isn't as helpful to me and it can send me down a wrong road whereas if i go to guys there's something amazing about it i, I agree yeah and you kind of need that as a man i think totally. it, it can bring not hate a woman but when a man like depends on their wife yeah for advice like change yeah. things fix them emasculates yeah. them totally. and she becomes a man in the relationship totally and they're pushing that as yeah well, yeah you know? they are they really are yeah it's like this thing right now i see of of because i'm more traditional in the sense i think that you know it's a man's responsibility to lead yeah to, to lead Me and provide too. and protect i think yeah. it's like an energetic Me thing too. and they're basically the minute i've been on even on like first dates and stuff and he say that and they're like it's like the typical yeah liberal woman's like oh yeah like, fucking like, yeah you know, like, that's, that's their right like i, I get it. it's 100 fine but yeah i think that's important too and yeah. also like because it, it just it's just the way i think that we're kind of like but it's only possible if you're actually being a good man yes if you're being worthy of exactly doing that. but you can't be like yeah a sop and and be miserable and expect to yeah to get that treatment yeah it's true right. well i wanted to thank you so much for for, for coming on and again 
kudos for what you're doing. Thanks, Everyone, man. please check out his um, his documentaries and his really work. So thank you so much, man. I thank you so it. much, man. Of course. Pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well as rate and review. Thank you for listening.